Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the A podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Patrick Williams. And uh, it's always unfortunate when you have to start the show on uh, a very tragic note uh, in, in the hockey world. Of course, Adam Johnson's tragic death has had a you know direct impact on everyone in every sector of the hockey world. For those unaware, Johnson, 29 years old, died on Saturday after a freak accident during an EIHL game in England where an opponent's skate blade sliced him in the neck. It was a gruesome and horrible scene. Uh, Johnson, who had played undrafted, was signed with the Penguins organization, went on to play in over 250 AHL games with Wilkes-Barre, Lehigh Valley, Ontario. Spent a lot of time in the AHL, and a lot of a lot of people directly knew him that are playing today and all over the world, which happens in hockey and uh it's opened up a big discussion on neck protection around hockey, frankly. And Pat, you, you've been covering this quite a bit. And it seems to be having a, a immediate effect on the AHL and how teams are operating. Well, I think there's, you know, I think for anybody that saw the video, you don't need to see it more than once uh, for it to make it, you know, obviously a real impression on you. And, you know, like we live in a very visual society, mm-hmm. right? Like very yeah. visual times. You know, I, I was talking with, with, with a few people and, you know, one of the things that came up was like, if this happened maybe 25, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. it would have been something you would have read about maybe a week or two later. It would have been like, a you know, kind of a black and white story, maybe in the hockey news or somewhere like that. It, you would have, re- I don't think it really would have had the same impact, but like, you know, now, like, I mean, this happened and, you know, within minutes, I mean, the video clip was bouncing around on social media and, and like, it, 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 you know, I don't, I, I don't care who you are. Uh, you know, I talked to some players that, you know, are by every definition, tough, old school, whatever, whatever yeah. word you want to put to it. And like, they were, they were taken aback by it. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, um, I do, I do think that there's more of an appetite now. Mm-hmm. I mean, and remember too, like players have families. Uh, I guarantee you players have been uh, getting phone calls this week you know, from their, from their parents for sure. Or maybe, you know, their, their, their spouse or discussions are being had. Right. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, agents, um, you know, teams, you know, I, like I spoke with Rochester, mm-hmm. uh, this past Monday, Seth Appert, uh, you know, so he comes from the college background, you know, and, um, where that, you know, they play with the full cage even late. So like it's, you know, I think there's just a different mentality. And, and I, I, I talked about this on social media a little bit, with the visors, uh, with the visors, you know that was 2006. So that was, you know, the but, old school way was still very much intact. But Pat, was there like one incident that made the visors come into play, or was it more of like a gradual? Like, was well, there one eye injury at that point? It was a league mandate. Okay, like, that's what made it come in. But you know, like my point was when I when I, I remember covering that story, I remember thinking, oh man, there's going to be yeah ton ton of pushback, right? Like you know, like. 
the thing I was struck by was just it was sort of like, well, okay, all right. They want us to wear a visor, we'll wear a visor. You know, and I think right. part of that too was like, you know, it was across the board. So like everybody, you know, you know, it's sometimes we live in a world where, you know, everybody's looking around waiting for somebody else to go first, right? Right, yeah. Where it's available and, for sure. And then, you know, with it being a mandate, I think that that took that element right out of the equation, made it easier. Like, Hey, you know what? Nobody's, nobody's going to trash talk me on the ice because, you know, I'll wear this because <laughs> he's wearing it too. Right. Yeah, so, exactly. But, but I mean, I guess the greater point there is that, you know, I talked to, like I mentioned Pete Vandermeer, old school, old school, like tough as nails enforcer, third all time league penalty men's. I remember talking to him and like, he was just like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Right. Like, you know, you know, I don't remember exact wording he said, but like the gist of it was like, Hey, you know what? Like I want to keep my, my, my eyesight, you know, like hockey's hockey's going to be done in at some point. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be injured, you know, the rest of my life. And, you know, and like this obviously is that much more severe. I mean, this isn't potentially losing an eye. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we saw Adam Johnson lost his life. So, you know, if, yeah, and I hear all the arguments that you know it's uncomfortable and it could be hot. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm certainly sympathetic to that, but I mean, you know, the, you, you look at you look at the situation that happened. I mean, it's it's, well, it's absolutely awful. I don't know if other people feel this too, but even before the situation, whenever there's even something as seemingly innocent as when there's a pile up in front of the goalie, so a bunch oh, of yeah. bodies are there, I've always been struck by like there's a skate blade right there. Oh, yeah. There, there, there is there's a sharp skate blade that. It's not dull like your ODR skates. These are being sharpened between each period. These are these are very dangerous pieces of sharp yeah. metal equipment. And I always wondered, like, you know, isn't isn't there a real risk there? And I texted a couple people in the HL, a couple coaches, a couple players, and then and you report on this too, Pat. It seems like what we're seeing now is there's going to be a lot of teams, if not all, that are making it clear that they have the long sleeve undershirts with cut resistant neck protection available to players. Now, mind you, Pittsburgh made it mandatory for their AHL and ECHL team to wear them. I'm told that, and as you can tell with that very news, the PA, the PHPA, doesn't need to sign off on that, right? They, there's no, that's not something that they have to agree to. I don't know if, I think the NHL would be the same thing. So I guess the question, Pat, before we move on is, is this going to become a league-wide thing next year? I'm not sure. I, I think you make a great point with the skate blades too. Like now, you know, you can pop them in, pop them out, right? Like, yeah. Uh, that's you know fairly new, like you know in the last I don't know what maybe ten years or so, not even. And like so, those things are razor sharp. Right? Like you know, like, I've I've a couple times. I don't know about you, like just you know even put your skates on, like you're not being careful, you, you can like nick your finger. Just, Absolutely. You know, like you're like, oh my god, like and that's just sitting there tying up your skates. No, right. never mind. And like you said, it's a great point. Like how many times have you been at a game and you see us, you know. A, a weird hit, like a, a you know, guy kind of get, gets flipped over. Um, one leg comes up, boom. It's just at that point, it's a matter of dumb luck, mm-hmm. whether or not it's you know just a, just a scary moment or something much worse. And um, I think you make a great point. Like you, you know, the, we also saw the other day um, the Providence Bruins uh, that was going around social media as yeah. well. Uh, a number of players are, you know. Well, Connor um, Carrick, front of the show. Yeah. Connor you. Carrick. He said, I will wear one. When, when Pat put out something about neck protectors, he responded, I'm going to wear one as soon as they're available. And yeah. you know, knowing Connor Carrick and the way that he's very measuring his approach doesn't surprise me. I'm sure there's other no. people, too, that are thinking the same way. Like, I'm getting that on right away. Yeah, I got that same, I got that same um, vibe 
from people I spoke with. I just, I think, you know, like, like you make a great point, like the hockey world is so interconnected, right? Like you start going through the, like, you know, Adam Johnson's history. You're like, Oh wow. He played with this guy. He played with that guy. He played with yeah. that guy. Like you're like, and that wow. guy played with you know, that like, guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like the degrees of separation are maybe one or two at, at most. Right. Like, and, um, you know, you just, you're going through even this, the rosters in the two clubs, you know, over in the English league there, you know, Nottingham and Sheffield and, they're like well, that guy. That guy playing the HL. That guy playing the HL. You know, like so. Like it's a small world, and I, I made that point as well. That like, you know, now everybody's kind of interconnected. Like, you know, you've been at, at downstairs at the after a game, right? Like, it almost looks like a family reunion between like the two play, the two teams. The players will, you know, afterwards they'll be sitting there, you know, meeting with up up with each other there in the hallway. Like, you know, like guys are much more, um, I think, aware of what's going on with each other's careers. So I think there's definitely going to be a lot of uh, conversation, a lot of uh, back and forth. And, you know, it's, it's like, like anything in life, you know, kind of once, once a few people do it, it starts kind of that, that uh, chain of events in motion. So um, I won't be surprised to see uh, a lot of players just do it voluntarily, like a Connor Carrick said he would. So like, it makes sense. I mean, you know, like if you think about it, you think of all the things that you wear equipment for, right? Like Mm -hmm. you, you wear equipment to protect your your you know your elbow, right? Even like the shop blockers now. Yeah, the shop blockers. You know, like like stuff that like, obviously you don't want to you don't want to like you know Cruise fall on your break. elbow or something to break your elbow. But like you're, you're not gonna, you're not going to die from a broken elbow. Whereas no. obviously, like you know, skate. You know, like we saw this past weekend, it, it really you know that's a whole different story. So I think a lot of players, it's like anything, right? Like it's. It's like, you know, you're just Helmet. kind of scared straight. Helmets, right? Like, I mean, yeah. You know, like, I mean, it, it's crazy to think, you know, I was listening to some, somebody the other day, like, as recently as 1997, Craig Bertavish was in the NHL, not wearing a helmet. And, not- you know, it's just, you know, times have changed. And, yeah. you know, it's not that that long ago, really, in the big scheme of things. But um, it's, yeah, it's been, um, you know, just talking people around the league. It's been a very emotional uh, past few days, I think. You know, another team's uh, paid tribute. Ontario had that really nice first star mm-hmm. uh, event yeah. at the end of the game on Sunday. Hershey Bears and Wilkesbury, you know, won another former team. Um, had a really nice uh, center ice tribute for him. So, you know, a lot of different, uh, you know, commemorations. And um, but you know, twenty nine years old, and you know, just fluke, random, bad luck, and yeah, and here you are. So, <clears throat> I guess if there's anything you know it's like any bad situation you try to find something to take from it if anything can come from it maybe that you know this will help you know bring about you know better protection and uh you know players taking steps you know to, to really yeah. you know to protect their own lives and i'm sure like i said you know their families are for sure friends everyone like you know nobody wants to see that Moving on uh, from that topic, uh, the prospect of the week this week is Arshdeep Baines of the Vancouver Canucks. He's the AHL's leading scorer and probably one of the fastest rising prospects in hockey right now. The 22-year-old was an undrafted ELC signing by Vancouver before the 22-23 season, coming off a great last year in junior, 112 points in 68 games uh, in the WHL. But as we've seen time and time again, these sort of undrafted ELC signings, they're they're really a needle in a haystack of how many of them become NHL assets. Really last year, Baines had an encouraging year in the AHL 38 points in 66 games, but 
This year, he's really, really uh, elevated his play. 15 points in nine games, as I mentioned, the league lead. He looks NHL capable, and, you know, Abbotsford GM Ryan Johnson on Donnie and Dolly a few days ago in Vancouver said that he's certainly going to be in the conversation if and when a Ford recall is needed. Uh, Baines had a very strong preseason showings, carried into the regular season, and it's a massive leap forward. And a quote that Johnson said on that show, Donnie and Dolly, a few days ago that really caught my attention was that, and, I, and I'll quote it here. He said, quote, we wanted to basically strip down his game and build him back up before he even played a game of pro hockey. Mm. Now, that's something we talk about a lot, and that's clearly what happened in the first year. And what's happening here is sort of the cultivation of, of a very good development track here. I wonder with him, because he's not a great skater, similar to kind of Ty Karche, but both mm-hmm. players are, are quite smart hockey players. I wonder yeah. with, with Arshdeep Baines if this is another case of, you know, scouts overemphasizing imperfect skating you know you almost wonder if that's being overemphasized and maybe that's why he slipped through the cracks because i'm telling you this is a player here he looks really good so far it's an interesting question you know like maybe like it was you know maybe in the past generation where size was overemphasized and if you were 6'5 220 you all automatically kind of rose to the top um you know as a prospect uh, you had to prove you couldn't play well now Maybe that's the same thing with skating. That's a really, um, it's that would be an interesting, probably one that we really have to dig into more. But um, we have said you, you've seen a lot of players. I've seen a lot of players where, yeah, they can they can fly, they can skate like the wind, but they don't think the it's game. Like, it doesn't. They don't think the game, and like it, it all sorts of adds adds up to nothing. Like you know, that's it kind of the most. Yeah, in the most basic of terms, I mean, how many times have have you seen a player? You know, he flies, he, you know, he has the puck, but like he ends up in the corner, right? And he's like, yeah. all right, now what? Now what do I do? I mean, it's like, there's no hockey sensor. Like the hands aren't there. The vision's not there. Um, and, and, you know, like y- y- the coach goes over and over and over. Okay. You know, you need to do this. You need to do that. And it's just not sinking in for one reason or other. So like, yeah, maybe the skating's not there all the way for, for a guy like Baines, but you know, you can't, you can't, uh, I think, underestimate the importance of IQ. That's something you can't teach. Like there are skating coaches. Yeah. You know, like you can get your, your skating up to at least, you know, you know, something workable, but, um, but Pat even compete, I think is hard to find. Like, so like, you sure. know, I had a scout tell me that what he saw from Baines in the preseason was he was playing for keeps. Yeah. You know, he was a puck hound and that kind of thing. I think, especially the pro level is way more important. You can have yeah. all the speed in the world. I'm not sure. I don't want to be interpreted as saying like, speed doesn't matter i think that sometimes we can have blinders on into okay if they're not the the, the fact of skater what's their character like do they compete yeah. if they're competitive and have an edge will they buy into fixing their skating stride which isn't cut and dry don't get me wrong but can they buy into those types of things can they be willing to learn and to sort of change like with, with what we know with sports science now and just the way that trainers are pairing with hockey professionals there's so many ways to improve your leg mobility strength and form I just think that overlooking a guy like Baines that just not only competes, but thinks the game so well, it, it's going to be a case study where a lot of scouts will be like, you know what, when you're looking at rounds four, five, six, seven, or three, even three, you know, and you're looking at guys you're taking flyers on, are we missing anyone? Or are we overlooking anyone that's a good player? Mind you too, Baines did kind of hit his gear later in his junior career, right? So I don't yeah. want to, you know, it, we can't totally fault everyone, but it, it makes you sure. wonder just in regards to, he was still passed over three times. You know, in the draft, right? So it's worth mentioning. 
You know, speed's easy to see, right? Like, I mean, you, you could take anybody pretty much off the street. You know, you don't have to be a strut. Like, hey, you know, like, <laughs> that, that mm-hmm. guy's fast, right? Like, and even so, you know, the more complex aspects of skiing, like the edge work and, the, you know, the first couple strides and the, the agility and all that, like, you know, that's a little bit more, but yeah, it's, it's more surface level. Character, um, even that, that, that compete level, uh, it's not always visible right, right off the bat. Like, it it's important. Time. Can this guy yeah, buy absolutely. him right away? Like the Canucks had him speak at their development camp to their prospects this year because basically he's a study of this guy led the CHL in points, signed undrafted free agent, came into camp day one. They said, All right, you got some potential, but we're gonna we're gonna build you from scratch here. He mm-hmm. handled it in stride, did quite well. And then the next year, and this is he spoke before even this year, but he's popping, right? Yeah. He, the offense is coming too. It's not like it's going to be lost but that's an important thing and i think you're seeing them reap the benefits of it i think baines is is a really solid player i don't know his ceiling really i think it's it's kind of really tell i don't know if he's like a top six guy necessarily i think what i see is someone that's capable of playing angel games now to what mm-hmm. he'll be at the next level i still think there's a huge question mark i gotta see a larger body of work but that's kind of where i think we're at with him um yeah sorry go ahead Pat. yeah and I, I you know like it's also tough too right like so he would know overage player right so like yeah He's an overage player, picks up big numbers, but you you sort of like, okay, that's great, but uh, what does that really mean? You know, because yeah. we've seen that we've seen that a lot of times with players, and then they, you know, they come up to the pro level and it's just not there. Uh, for him though, like you said, really solid uh, first rookie season last year with Abbotsford. Now this year, like just like you say, it's just t- taking off. I mean, and you know, I mean, I, I'm not sure what his ceiling is. I'm thinking more maybe top nine ish. Um, but like, I love the smarts. I love the, like the competitiveness. So I think there's a lot to work with there. And, you know, there, there's just so many more resources to now. Like, so yeah, player, maybe the skating is not up to par yet, but, uh, there's so much more that a team can throw at that problem. Right. You, you, you can't coach competitiveness. You can't coach smarts, but you mm-hmm. can coach skating. So I, I, I think there's a lot to, to work with there. And, uh, I won't be surprised. Like you said, see him get a, a good opportunity this year in Vancouver at some point. Absolutely. Now let's move on to another story here. Uh, Connor Zari has been recalled by the Calgary Flames, had a hot start to the year, set to make his NHL debut on Wednesday night. We talked about him heading mm-hmm. into training camp as a potential September sweetheart and as someone that could make some noise. And he did. He had a very strong training camp. He followed it up with 10 points in six NHL games to start the year. And, you know, the 2020 uh, first round pick of the Flames his opportunities coming in an interesting time for Calgary. They're slumping really hard. Reports came out recently that contract negotiations with Hannafin and Lindholm are on pause, right? We could see a retool, whatever you want to call it here. And Lazari coming up, he, you know, apparently in the morning skate had some power play, two reps uh, going out there. He's on the third line, I believe uh, mm. for today's game. This is an opportunity for a player that certainly deserves it after his start to the year. Yeah, he's well. Yeah, we made that point that uh, whatever you do in training camp, like whether or not you make the team, leave an impression, right? Like so, like you come down, you, you have a good camp, and then not only on that front, but you come down and you just take off at the age level. You show that not only are you uh, going to be a player that that can contribute, you're going to come in and be dominant, and that's exactly what he's done with Calgary. And like you know, that that's a team that meaning the Wranglers, that's a team that obviously, you know, so Matthew Phillips moved on. So that there is a void there. They needed somebody to come in and and um, be able to pick up some of that slack. He's done exactly that. Um, he's an interesting player just in the sense that 
first round pick, like you said, he had that little cup of coffee during the pandemic year, then had to go back. He had an injury issue uh, early on in his first real full rookie season that, you know, he had to overcome. Then he got to go uh, deep into the, you know, Western Conference final that first season there in Stockton last year in Calgary. Another great season, you know, in terms of, you know, both personally and the team. Um, and like like you said, things are bad with the Flames right now. They're yeah. looking for any, any sort of spark that they can get, any sort of sign of life, right? And, um, you know, so this is a perfect opportunity. Like they were looking for somebody – to uh, come in there and like, you know, training camps only, it only ended a few weeks ago, right? Like, you know, not even yeah. really a month ago. So like he left a great impression uh, and carried it right, you know, right into the start of the AHL season. So yeah, like, you know, now he's up there and we'll see what he can do. Um, we'll see how long this call lasts, but uh, you know, Hey, if he can do anything, I think he'll be able to stick in that lineup for a while. Yeah. And I want to make a point here too, that I think that it's important to note that, He's had a really great statistical start in the AHL, but mm -hmm. I don't think that Zara needs to come in here and, you know, of course, Calgary is can't score a goal to save their life, but I don't know if that his evaluation is solely on the points there. I think no. that Zari is a, a super smart cerebral player that competes and can, you know, adhere to a game plan and, and do those type of things. He's another guy where I don't know his ceiling is a top six guy, which again, is not a bad thing. I'm just trying to temper expectations with what this really means. Sure. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I don't see him coming up and being a, you know, somebody that's going to like, you know, be a huge point producer, certainly not right away, but, uh, but I do like to see a player like go from good to like almost dominant, right? Mm -hmm. Like points are part of that, you know, but just the overall responsibility that he takes on, um, you know, like coming in, like it's a, a new coach there, Trent Call coming in, you know, there's a lot of changes here with the Wranglers. And then obviously, you know, they're playing in the same city as the NHL club. The NHL team is going through hard times. I guarantee to you inside that that's AHL dressing room. Uh, everybody was aware of that, uh, which can be a good or a bad thing, right? Like it can be a distraction. Uh, that's sometimes why teams like to have their, their affiliate a little bit further away. Absolutely. But, you know, that being what it is, um, like rather than it be a distraction, I think Zaria, you know, channeled it in the right direction team and just absolutely just uh, took off and uh, – yeah, I think uh, he's going to get every opportunity there, uh, especially Ryan Huska now, like uh, very, I think, predisposed to the younger players. And, um, you know, like I said, uh, they, they, they need something because, right? I mean, we, we all saw that game on Sunday, uh, the outdoor game in Edmonton. That was that was not pretty um, you know, for, for a large stretch of it. So um, anything he can do is going to be a boost for that club. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Absolutely. Now let's move over to our team of the week, the Los Angeles Kings. I believe last year for season one of our show, they were maybe like the top or the first team we mentioned uh, for the prospect pool. We talked a lot about it. There's a lot of pieces. Many have since graduated or gone mm -hmm. elsewhere. We saw Samuel Fujimo uh, picked off waivers. We've seen, you know, assets of former ones, you know, like Kupari, for example, now with the Jets, there's been 
bit of some turnover, but there are some intriguing pieces with the Los Angeles Kings, starting with none other than Brant Clark, one of the most, I want to say tantalizing when he's on his game, defenseman prospects in hockey right now, frankly. He last year, as a 19-year-old, started the year with the Los Angeles Kings. Then he went to Ontario for a bit of a conditioning stint. Then the World Juniors. Then he scored like two points a game in the OHL in the regular season and playoffs. Now he's with the Ontario Reign. Six points in his first seven games, logging over 20 minutes a night, playing a big role, and definitely the prize jewel of the Kings prospect system. Yeah, you know, like I kind of call him like the Shane Wright uh, of the blue line last yeah, year, sort of that exactly. s- similar um, management of his season by the LA Kings that Seattle did with Wright. You know, like start him off in the NHL, okay. Uh, send him down to Ontario on conditioning, get him a little taste of that, send him to the World Junior, let him play there, and, you know, have all that, 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 that uh, spectacle. Then, okay, fine, we have to send him down to the OHL. He does that, like you said, absolutely. He's just, I mean, he's too good for that level, quite frankly. Uh, first team all star, both OHL and CHL uh, with Barry. Um, when it, it did in the playoffs as well. Uh, you know, it was a shame for him that uh, Ontario. Um, you know, didn't really have much of a playoff uh, because it would have been great to see him get that opportunity like Shane Wright did. Like Shane Wright, you know, it really worked out well for him to go. I mean, he got two months almost, um, you know, the Calder Cup playoffs there um, with Coachella Valley. So, um, but I, the thing I love about Clark is like, so he comes in, right, goes to Ontario, first game of the season, puts 10 shots on net. I mean, which is just ridiculous like yeah. i mean that just shows the level of confidence the level oh, yeah. of um swag honestly swagger frankly um you know the, you, most defensemen even the ones that are coming in with a lot of uh you know kind of optimism or you know enthusiasm uh, they, they tend to like ease things into you know a little bit more not him like he like right off the bat like oh yeah um, you know just firing from everywhere like Dominant. I mean, you, you like you said, he's playing twenty minutes a night. I mean, like some nights it feels like it's closer to thirty. Yeah. Um, you know, it just seems like every time you turn around, he's off there on the ice. So yeah, I mean, he's fantastic. Either overall pick. I think this is just a, a situation where you want to like you know fine tune a couple of points in his game. Yeah. Uh, you, get his game up to like the pro side. You know, in terms of like when to to when to join totally. the play, when not to. But and that's like, the biggest thing for him. You know, especially yeah. and and it's a guy like him that is like you know, an offensive dynamo, so to speak, that mm-hmm. also isn't the best skater too. You really got to pick your spots yeah. and you've also got to know how to battle down low. So that's kind of the big obstacle with Frank Clark. Um, Alex Turkett, six points in his uh, first seven games with the Ontario Reign. Turkett is someone we've talked about quite a bit, you know, former fifth overall pick. Pardon me, sorry, five points in his first seven games. Fifth overall pick in 2019 has had a, myriad of concussion issues and it's been well documented hasn't really had an extended bit of runaway at all at the pro level he has only played 32 games a season is the most he's played at the AHL level starting out this year he's on a you know good pace and it's really it's encouraging because what i will say is you still need to see a larger sample size but he hasn't ever produced at this you know good of a clip to be honest with you 5.7 games it's encouraging because not only does he need to stay healthy but he has to be you know about 0.8 points per game kind of to make some noise and, and get called up. Not that I think he's necessarily you know, kind of like Zari in a way. I think that Turkey was drafted, it, you know, the top 10. So, of course, you expectations are huge. But I think we're learning 
his bread and butter probably won't be scoring 60 points in the NHL, but he still needs to have offensive production to get a knock, I would say. Still needs that production. Uh, and just, I think, like you said, just needs to stay healthy, right? Like, yeah, it's the biggest he's just, thing. He's had just the worst luck, really, like just coming in one thing after another. He was one of those players that came in to the pandemic year, so that was right off the bat. Was just not an ideal environment to come into for anybody. Uh, made the best of it. Then, you know, really the past two seasons, uh, he played what a total of seven, what 71 games, you know, combined over, you know, the, between the NHL and the AHL levels and uh, just not enough time. Like for, especially a player coming, you know, coming out of the U S development program, coming out of the college game, like, like we're not getting the 65, 70 games a year plus that you would get. So uh, let's say, you know, if you're playing junior or, or whatever. Um, so I, I want to see him play a full season see him take on that grind of a you know like march after he's got you know let's say 50 something games under his belt you know like how's he handling a you know three and four stretch or uh then certainly going into the playoffs like they need him like if they're gonna do anything this year uh he needs to be a certainly a contributor um and, uh, you know ontario's off to a great start um uh, and certainly um you know to see him if he could get if he could not carry the team, but be a big part of carrying that team. Uh, get them into the playoffs. Let them, let them go on a little bit. Run like a Shane Wright got last year. Um, you know, just those are extra games. Those are high caliber games. And I think uh, for him, that he just needs that that confidence of just getting back and get back into a rhythm, not kind of you know being in and out of the lineup for for you know a month or two at a time. Mm-hmm. Two more guys we'll get to, Eric Portillo um, and Akil Thomas. Portillo, goaltender, drafted by Buffalo. Ellie traded for his rights, actually, um, before uh, the season and went to Michigan, played three years. He's starting out in the AHL this year. First two games haven't gone amazing, um, but 23 years old, has quite a bit of upside, and we're, we're really early here on forecasting it. But I guess you know the objective would be for him to have a, a – sort of an acclimation process into pro. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like they paired him, you know, kind of what a lot of teams do, pair, pair him with the veteran guys. So David Rich there, you know, in, in, in Ontario, you know, taking on, you know, a lot more of the workload. But, um, you know, just, yeah, you want to see him play a ton, right? Like, you know, so he's coming out of Michigan, um, you know, where you put up great numbers, but, you know, that's also, also like a team that's, you know, traditionally a powerhouse too, right? So, like, I see him, like, take on the pro game now and you know where you're not necessarily you know playing with a powerhouse every night so um you know obviously huge size you know six six to twenty something um yeah i, I was to see, see him get maybe 35 ish games this year i think would be a good good start to his uh his pro career and then and then kind of go from there but you know he's uh, i don't think it's necessarily going to be somebody that you, you expect um you know an overnight uh, kind of progression up to the la kings and then finally, Akil Thomas, as I mentioned there, uh, you know, a prospect that frankly has had a, a tough kind of go yeah. with pro. We all saw him start the World Juniors. He was a very prolific player at the junior level. But, you know, whether whether it's been injuries or just role changes and being behind so many players of the depth chart, Thomas is struggling um, to really, really grab a hold of opportunity in Ontario. And, and with one point in his first seven games, we're kind of seeing that as well now. Yeah, I mean, last year was rough. Like, it was November. He kind of an awkward fall. Uh, ended up having shoulder surgery. Ended the season. Um, so, you know, you're, you're off the bat. You're going, like, almost a full calendar year between, um, you know, competitive play. And, um, you know, he's a he's a player where, you know, 
like, yeah, he had that, that, that great success, but like, so he played that first season, first pro season was the pandemic year. So that's obviously a shortened year last or 21, 22, and he got 40 games. And then last year's limited to the 13. So a lot like Turcott, um, he just needs to play and play a ton. Um, I, I feel like with him, I, I don't know what to, I don't really know how to evaluate him because I, I just feel like I haven't seen much of him, you mm-hmm. know, like in the sense of like, you know, it's been sort of so stop and start to his, uh, his career. And like, yeah, just, I want to see him put in a full season this year, uh, be healthy. And then I think you'll have a better read on what he can actually do. Absolutely. Before we sound off, let's get to around the A. Pat, empty your notebook for us. Yeah, the old notebook is uh is pen busy. and paper. <laughs> pen so and paper. for <laughs> uh first off, we have the all AHL Hall of Fame announcement. That's obviously a big deal. Uh every year this year, the all-star game is in San Jose. That's where they hold the um the annual uh induction ceremony. Um Roy Sommer. Um yep. uh 25 years behind the bench uh, for San Jose uh, Sharks prospects, four different markets. Uh, finished up last year in San Diego. Supposedly was retiring, but is now in the WHL uh, with the Wenatchee Wild. Uh, so that retirement was uh, very short-lived. Yeah. Uh, he goes in with Dennis Bonvey, a longtime enforcer, a guy that uh, helped really build that uh, franchise in um in Wilkes-Barre Stratton. So that's obviously a big, uh, um, you know, big achievement on his part. Gordy Clark uh, played back, uh, back in the seventies, went on to a long career uh, on the scouting and management side. And then uh, Jerry Amon, a uh, player kind of, the HLA always likes to have one player kind of from like the, the 50s, 60s era. So he, he fits that, that's uh, that group. Um, and, Moving on, uh, Raphael Lavoie from Bakersfield, player of the week. Um, player I think that's obviously attracted a ton of attention uh, among Edmonton Oilers fans. Uh, he was dominant, uh, six points, three games this past week with Bakersfield. Uh, he somehow cleared waivers uh, this past uh, uh, month. Uh, he certainly, I don't think, would do that again. Um, 25 goals last year at Bakersfield. Um, he looks just about ready for the uh, – for the NHL. Uh, I think it would be just a matter of time. I was a little surprised to see him not get the call the other day when, uh, you know, instead of Sam Gandhi, but you know, I think they wanted to get a little bit more seasoning down the minors. Kiefer Bellows, uh, another uh, kind of a one-time prospect. Um, he's just signed with the, the Toronto Marlies on a PTO. Uh, he's uh, obviously a player that's um, first round pick 2016. First round pick. It's never quite worked out for him. He hasn't actually um, really been able to, to fit, to find a good fit. And I think for partially for him, um, he got caught kind of in a, uh, an awkward time in in the New York Islanders system. Didn't quite pan out. So uh, he's coming back to the HL. He got a little bit of, of time last year at the end with Lehigh Valley. Uh, went to camp this year with Carolina. Didn't pan out there situation where they didn't obviously have an HL affiliate certainly didn't help his cross. So now go to the Marlies and I'll be interested to see what they can do with his game, you know, in terms of um, if they can, you know, fine tune some of those, uh, those weaknesses in his game. Uh, but he's 25 years old. So like it really is getting down to uh, kind of like, you know, make or break time for him. And last thing too, is just, you know, Henderson's overnights didn't make the playoffs last year. 
off to a 6 2 0 start uh, under new head coach Ryan Craig. Uh, you know, so just like the big team uh, off to their hot start, the, uh, the, the little brother is also uh, doing quite well to start. Absolutely. Good thing. Good stuff, Pat. Uh, that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening. We'll get you back next week with everything happening in the AHL. Until then, take care.